Amen. My text this evening is found in the verse 28. If you look at, at, me, at that verse with me there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So in this book of Colossians that we've read, the first section that we didn't read is really Paul's just his introduction to, the, to this epistle. As, as some of you will know, is he always introduces his book, just who he is and his words of prayer that he has and him giving thanks to God for the church there in Colossae. So he opens it in his usual sort of way and then he goes in where we've read somewhat of the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what we've read here from verse, really from verse 14 down to 22 is really all about the, uh, the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he clearly lays out Christ and his work. So, but here in our text, this evening, verse 28, if you will look at it with me, it shows us here whom we preach. And it's these three words I want to look at in the minutes. Whom we preach. So from verse 23 down to the end of the chapter, Paul shows us what his ministry consisted of. And his ministry, as we see here in verse 20, 28, it was a preaching ministry. And more specifically, if you look at the end of verse 27, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach. So we see here that Paul's task, his ministry, was to preach Christ. That was his ministry. As he went from church to church, as he went about, he preached Christ. Whom we preach, he was preaching Christ. And tonight I just want to focus on the preaching ministry of Paul here as he went about in place to place his preaching ministry. And the first thing I really want to notice with you is this is it was a warning ministry. Look again at verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man. So the preaching ministry of, of Paul, as he went about, was a warning ministry. And you'll see here from these words the scope of his ministry. He, he was teaching, he was warning every man. So it wasn't just one section of the community rather than the other. Paul, as he went about, sought to bring the gospel to everyone, to the Jews as well as the Gentiles. And it's the same with, with everyone who seeks to preach the gospel. For God's, for the church of God, they're not just out at, to reach one section of the community and leaving out other sections of the community. They're not just there to reach the rich and to leave out the poor. As the church goes out, they're to reach everyone with the gospel. The Saviour said in Mark 16, verse 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So the emphasis Paul has here is when he was going to preach, it didn't matter who they were, he was looking to preach to them and he was warning them. His ministry was to warn them of, of certain things. And as we're heading out to reach others for the gospel, it is according to Christ that we go and reach every single person. And it's good to know as we go out that we go out at the command of Christ. We go out on his authority. We know that when we're going out, although we may um, have opposition, people may try to come alongside us and say, what are you doing um, coming and telling us about the gospel? And there might be animosity from those whom we seek to reach, but it doesn't matter because we are serving our Lord and Master, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his command is, go reach every creature with the gospel. 
And as we see here, as we've been saying, that we're to reach them with, we're to reach them, and as we reach them, we're to warn them. Now, what are they to warn them of? Well, they're to warn them of God's judgment. And we see here, it's to every man, warn every man. It's not just to some people. Some people like to say, well, I'm not a sinner. But that's not what Paul taught. He was warning every man. And it's the same throughout Scripture. No matter who you look at, if you look at their preaching, you'll see that oftentimes they, it was a warning ministry they brought. If you think of Noah in the days before the flood, he was warning them of God's judgment that was, supposed to, that was to come in form of the flood. Or the prophets, if you look through the prophets, you will see continually that they came warning the Israelites of their sin, warning um, the people of Israel that they were to turn from their sin and repent of their wickedness. Also think of Jonah and his message. His message again was a warning message. Forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So he was warning them of the impending judgment of God. So the message that, we, that they brought is the same message that Paul brought and it's the same message that every preacher of God's word must do. Every evangelist must warn sinners that they are under the judgment of God. And as I said, it's not just for one, one section, it's for everyone. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we were even thinking of that this morning in our Bible reading in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. As it is written... There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. So when God looked down upon man, and that was when he looked down, it wasn't just in one uh, moment of time. It was God looking down upon all men from the beginning of creation, the whole way till the last day that will, is to come. God looked down and he said there's none righteous. No, not one. Not even one person. Of all the billions of people that have lived in this world, there's not one that has sought after God. There's not one that doeth good. And that is why there is a warning. There is a warning because God's judgment is against man's sin. God is angry with the sinner because of his sin. And Paul expands on this in, uh, later on in, the, in this epistle that we've read from this evening. If you look with me at chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, and we'll, we'll read from verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. So you see there in verses 5, 8 and 9, all that list of sins. And really, if we're honest... We can fit ourselves somewhere in all these verses. And I would say that we're all guilty of all of these here sins that is listed here. But if you notice with me, verse 6. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. It doesn't say here that God is angry with sin but loves the sinner. But here it tells us what God's, uh, how God is towards the ungodly. 
Again, read that verse with me. For which things sake, all these sins, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. So God is angry with every sinner because of their sin. They have broken his holy law and therefore he is angry with them. And his judgment upon them is eternal punishment in hell if they will not turn from their sins. And we were all the same whether you are saved here or whether you not. Because as Paul has written here, verse 7, In the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. So we all have committed sin against a holy God. And then God's judgment is upon us. And that is a terrifying thing. It tells us in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So as Paul understood the terror it was to stand before an almighty God, he wanted to persuade men. That is why he tells us he went to warn men. And that is why I'm standing here this evening to warn you today. I'm here to warn you that you're a sinner before a holy God. And that God's judgment is, pla- is passed upon you. That you are a sinner and God will punish you forever in the place called hell. So that is why Paul wanted to warn every man. Because they're under judgment from God. But if we could take this thought a little further here. If you look with me at verse 23 of Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23. Paul says here. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard. And which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Whereof I Paul am made a minister. So that, especially that phrase at the beginning, if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled. So you might say here, yes, I agree with you. All have sinned, but I am saved. I have made a profession. I once, whenever I was a child, called, asked God to take away my sin. Now, if you look with me here, it says here in verse 23, if ye continue in the faith grounded and settled. And that is the thing that is important. Because although I don't believe that it's teaching here in verse 23 that you can be saved and lost, what Paul is teaching is for those who have a profession of faith, yet they're not continuing in the the faith that they say they profess. They're not going on with the Lord. They maybe said, "I I professed faith as a child, but throughout all of your life, you have lived a life of sin. You have not sought to please the Lord. You have not sought to follow him. And you have not faith today in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. Have you faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today? Is it up to date? And if you are unsure, tonight is the night to examine yourself. We all have to look within ourselves and examine, am I in the faith? Do I still believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Am I continuing in the faith Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Christ Jesus is in you, except ye be reprobates. So he's encouraging, he's, he's telling, he's pleading with people, examine your heart. And I want everyone here to examine their heart tonight and to see, yes, Have you that faith? Have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you saved? And if you're you're not living up to date, if you have not faith this night, I would encourage you, make it right with the Lord. Be sure, examine yourself very closely and make yourself right with God. 
But it is encouraging to know that when we do turn from our sin, we turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have faith in him that we have forgiveness. And I want to move on then to the next part of our text this evening. Look again with me. Verse 28. It says, Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. So not only did Paul warn every man, but he also sought to teach every man. Now what does this mean, to teach every man in all wisdom? Well, I, I found this quote of Robert Hogger, and I think it's very helpful here. And he said, What wisdom was it that he warned every man in? Surely Christ himself, who in his comprehensive name includes everything contained in that wisdom which maketh wise unto salvation. So we see here that Paul, yes, he warned every man of their sin, but he also taught them of the Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul was doing was he was preaching Christ to every person. And how did he preach Christ? How did he preach him? Well, we've already read here in our chapters, I've said in the introduction about Paul, he preached the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me, verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, talking about Christ, says he is the image of the invisible God. So Christ isn't just a man. He's not a mere man. Christ is the God-man came down from heaven. Look at me at verse 16. For by him were all things created. So Christ, he is the creator God. So he's God a man, the creator God, who became man himself. Verse 18, we see, and he is the head of the body, the church. So see here, Christ is the head of the church. He is the head and we are the body. And that means that the head's death is the church's death. The head's life is the church's life. And we needed a substitute, someone who would die in our place. And we have the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our substitute, who went there on the cross, not as a mere man, but as God and man, so he could take our sins upon himself on the cross, on the, cross the sin of all his people. And he was there, bored as the God-man, as he bore the infinite wrath of God. So we needed someone who was both God and man to be our substitute. So Paul, when he was preaching Christ, he preached who Christ was. But he didn't just preach who Christ was. He preached what he came to do. Look with me there at verse 14 of Colossians chapter 1. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That word there, redemption, he came to redeem us through his blood. And that word redemption, that word redemption means to, to release by means of a payment. So Christ on the cross, he was there paying the penalty of our sins. As we look, look at verse 14, and the result of him dying on the cross, the result of him shedding his blood, paying the price, was the forgiveness of sins. It is only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that anyone can have their sins taken away, that they can have this forgiveness of sins. And what a blessing it is as a believer to look to the cross and to see the, the, the price that was paid there for us. The price that was paid there to take away our sin. And we know that if we come by faith and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will have this forgiveness of sins. And what a blessing that is, especially to our conscience. Often we look within and we see sin. But we know when we look off 
to the cross, we see the Lord Jesus Christ there. We know our sins have been dealt with. They've been taken away. And I was thinking of the pilgrim's progress. As pilgrim walked about with this burden upon his back, this burden of sin, this guilt of sin that was upon his back, it was only when he got to the cross that that burden was off his back. That burden rolled away. He knew that his sins had been dealt with. He had no more guilt of sin. That guilt had been removed. And he had that, that burden taken off his back. And same with the believer who come to the cross. Then you might look in tonight and say, I see my sin. I see I have broken God's law, as we all have. Yet when we look to the cross, we know our sins are forgiven. And we, have, we can have that peace of mind that our sins have been all taken away. But he, he accomplished, Christ accomplished something else by his death. Look with me at verse 20. Verse 20 of Colossians chapter 1. And having made peace through, blood, through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or th- things in heaven. So Christ, by his death on the cross, he, he accomplished, he purchased forgiveness of sins, but also by his death, he purchased our peace and our reconciliation with God. It is our sin, as I've said, that separates us from God. Isaiah 59 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So it's our sins that separate us from God. That's why there's the enmity. But Christ, in his work on the cross, he has taken away the sins of all his people. He's bore them away on the cross. And that means when our sins have been taken away, we have this peace with God. God is at peace with us, and we can have peace with God. And we have reconciliation. We are friends again with God when we come by faith, trusting in him, relying upon him for salvation. We know that we have this burden. Yes, we have this sins forgiven, yet we have reconciliation and we have peace with God. And what a blessing it is that we know as we look to the cross, we see what happened there. We know we can have forgiveness of sins. And I think that hymn tonight summed that up. We, we sang one of the verses we didn't sing. It goes, I guess, here. I, um, a second look he gave, which said, I freely all forgive. This blood is for thy ransom paid. I die that thou mayst live. Thus while his death my sin displays in all its blackest hue, such is the mystery of grace, it seals my pardon too. Yes, we look at the cross and we see our sin and that causes us to grieve over our sin. But also that second look Christ gave says, I freely all forgive. His blood is for thy ransom paid. I die that thou mayst live. So when we look to the cross, we see that a ransom is paid. We have forgiveness with God that we might live. But I want to ask you, believer tonight, unbeliever tonight, is this the case with you? Do you know sins forgiven? As you, look, as you think about the cross, can you say, well, that was my sin that was there. Have you, by faith, looked to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation? Have you turned from your sin, the thing that separates from you from God? Have you turned away from it? Have you looked by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ? If you have not, then you can't have this peace. You will not have this forgiveness and you will not be reconciled to God. You must put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And a verse, one of my favorite verses in in the whole word of God is found there in Romans chapter 1. 
Romans chapter, no, Romans chapter 5, sorry. Romans chapter 5 and the verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we can know, this is how we can have peace with God. It, uh, it is being justified by faith. As we look to Christ by faith, we know we can have forgiveness of sins. We can have this peace with God. And you might, have, you might say to yourself, I've been saying here, I am a sinner. I have broken God's law. How can I know forgiveness? Well, it's not for the righteous. Christ didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save the sinner. If you look at me, with me there at verse 6 of Romans chapter 5, for when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He looked down, he didn't see us perfect, he didn't see us as righteous, he saw us as sinners, yet he died for us. He died anyway. He died for us because he loved his people. And as we're reminded there in verse 1 of Romans chapter 5, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you look tonight, if you are an unbeliever here this evening, if you can't look within and say, I know I'm saved, I have faith in him tonight, look this evening, look to him by faith and have forgiveness of sins. We, we were singing tonight um, a hymn that's based on the verse in Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. And it says this, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. If you're here this evening and you're not saved, the assurance you, you can have if you'll come and believe. This word believe or having faith it's not just saying, oh, well, I acknowledge Jesus died on the cross. I know that he died there for sin. Yet, can you say this evening, he died for me. He died to take away my sin. And I am going to place my faith in him. Rest my soul upon the work that he has done on the cross. For you look at, think of the words that he, Paul said, used there in First Tim, or Second Timothy chapter 1 and 12. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He was persuaded that God could save him. He was persuaded that he could save and take away his sin there on the cross. He, was, he committed his soul to him. So it is by faith, it is believing that Christ died for you. He died for you as to take away your sin. But also that you're willing to give your soul as it were. You're going to commit your soul to him. To keep it safely against that day of judgment. That we know that when we go to meet our God. We have already committed our soul to him. And he has forgiven us of our sin. He has taken away our sin. And that can be you tonight. You can know forgiveness of sin. And you can know present cleansing from sin. Look at me again at our text there this evening. As we close. Verse 28. It finishes like this. That we may present Every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And when you come by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can know, you can be perfect 
in the sight of God because you're in Christ Jesus. And that is the effect of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ when it's applied to the heart. When you come to him by faith, you can know your sins forgiven and you will be presented before God in that judgment day as righteous, as perfect and holy in his sight. But is that you this evening? Is that you? That you have you known forgiveness of sin? Are you? Do you know assurance that you are standing perfect and righteous in His holy sight? If not, come today. We have looked and we've saw that we have seen that we need our sins forgiven because we are standing before a holy God. Paul warns us. I warn you this evening that you are a sinner before a holy God. But also the remedy of that judgment the remedy of sins our sins is looking to the lord jesus christ by faith and this is what he taught he taught the sinners every man that there's forgiveness if you will come to him if you will look to him by faith you can know forgiveness of sins and it's not too late you must come today today is the day of grace but tonight may be your last night souls go out into eternity so quickly we have even seen this week of that we baby dying just so suddenly for no re- nobody knows why really why it happened but that can be the case for us all there's none too young and there's none too old to be to die you must come and be saved before it's too late tonight you have your opportunity and i will plead with you this evening behold now is the accepted time behold now is the day of salvation you must come tonight to have your sins forgiven. And I would encourage you, I would plead with you tonight, if you don't have your sins forgiven, come to Christ. Come, leave him, leave your soul with him, and he will abundantly pardon. For he's promised, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And we'll end there this